Hi everyone, welcome to Hold My Eyes Coffee Podcast. We are really excited that you're joining us and we're grateful. We are happy that you're here along for the journey with us. And speaking of people that I'm happy who's on the journey with us, this is Cindy Falco, uh, the Hi. woman with <laughs> wisdom and humor and epitomizes of self-compassion because we've been talking about it so much and it's hard one um none of us start out this way i don't think it's something that we grow into and that's what we're going to be talking about today is self-compassion and really how that can transform parenting and we're going to get into the nitty-gritty we're going to show examples because who doesn't need a little bit more self-compassion in our parenting we just need it self-compassion for ourselves when we are setting up this podcast just now. Yeah, totally. And to be like, yeah, we're still good. We just kind of made all these mistakes, but we're, we're you know, human beings and we deserve compassion. So here we are in all our glory and mess. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, before we get started, though, I did have one um, strong memory when I was a lifeguard in the summer and ordering a, a medium Dunkin' Donuts coffee that actually looked tan because of the amount of cream and sugar and just taking that first sip and actually feeling the sugar granules in between my teeth. And just, I remember the audible sigh it almost had this light reflected off of it. And, you know, I knew I was going to be at the pool for the next six, seven, eight hours working as a lifeguard, but that sip of iced coffee that first sip, the rush of adrenaline just got me through so much. And we hope that you can experience that too today. Just know that that we're in your corner and we're happy you're listening and we want you to be part of the community and conversation too. Absolutely. There's nothing like iced coffee. <laughs> it took, <laughs> and as, a, as a New Englander transplant who learned to love it, yeah even in the dead of winter, holding it up like, this is my ask coffee. This is getting me through. So yeah, we hope that's what we are for you guys. Absolutely. So to start off, Cindy, just diving right into it, um, taking that first big sip, what is self-compassion? How can we think about it? How do you think about self-compassion? Well, people always say, you know, it, it's kind of obvious. It's compassion for yourself. Um, but there's, there's really more to it. Um, and people sort of think it's really a soft thing of like, oh, if I do that, like if I go around saying, oh, I love me and I, and they think of it as being this, um, really soft, like almost being too positive, not embracing your mistakes and all, but it's actually, when you live it out, it's actually the opposite of being soft. It actually empowers you to be um, able to deal with your mistakes and your shortcomings and all of that because you're not going to be beating yourself up. You're like, yes, I made this mistake, but I'm a human being who deserves compassion. Yeah. Therefore, I can face my mistakes. And a lot of times, we think that we're doing something good by beating ourselves up for um, our shortcomings and we think that's being humble and all that, but it actually puts us in a place where we don't have the power to overcome our mistakes or even face them because we're so hard on ourselves. Why would we admit a mistake to somebody who's not going to be nice to us? Just like we wouldn't do it like somebody, you know, somebody's going to tell you off in real life. You're not going to go up and share your deepest, darkest secrets with them. Well, sometimes we do that to ourselves. 
Um, And that's what's been really interesting for me to, to, um, to navigate through as I'm learning to be more compassionate to myself, that it's not narcissistic. It's actually the opposite of being narcissistic. It frees me to not have to go around focused on myself all the time and not living my life trying to fill this void. It's like, it's already filled. And I feel like as Christians, we should be like the best at this because Jesus showed us our value. Absolutely. I and think I that, just went all over the place, student. No, you did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, self-compassionate. <laughs> okay, that's how I talk. <laughs> no, I think that was perfect. And uh, being a huge fan of your book, you've written about this in Rum and Cola for the Soul and probably have had to show yourself this kind of self-compassion as any writer would have to in writing this book. Oh, actually, yeah. So... Uh, being a writer is really hard because you're you're <laughs> yeah. kind of bearing your soul to the world and it's it's very hard and it's funny that I talk about self-compassion now because I didn't know the words for what I was looking for but when I talked about rum and cola for the soul I was actually annoyed with all of this positive self-esteem stuff that sort of overlooked problems and and I didn't like that like you know, chicken soup for the soul and everything works out if you just believe and all that. And I hated that. And it's because I've worked with survivors for so long who had all these problems and to just act like, oh, well, if you had faith, it would be okay. And all of that stuff. I saw it as like this just totally only being positive. And so self like self-esteem and all that stuff kind of I lumped it all together and self-compassion sounded like that to me. And I get it when people kind of like um, don't like the sound of self-compassion because it sounds like, oh, just, you know, always think you're great. <laughs> but it's really not about that. It's really about empowering people to to have compassion for themselves and overcome things. So that was a lot of what I was writing about when I was dealing with um all the things I've seen and writing Roman color for the soul, but I would have never, I would have never labeled it about self-compassion because I would have been like, Nope, no, I don't like that <laughs> because it, it, cause it sounded too, um, you know, always positive, never dealing with the mess of real life. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things you've, you've written to me, which was really eye opening is you define self compassion as accepting reality, which gives us space to grieve and be disappointed because our worth isn't attached to success. And I think when we're talking about self compassion, in parenting, um, we're not defining our, our worth by either success or making mistakes. And that is a really important distinction. You have said we don't earn our value. We live in it and we walk with Jesus. Um, can you unpack that a little bit more for us? Yeah. Um, I, I think as parents, it's, it's very tempting to, um, to look at our children and try to live our lives through them and, and see like, oh, they're successful. I'm doing everything mm-hmm. right. Um, but, that's such dangerous ground for yourself and for them because your kids are going to mess up. <laughs> I promise. Right. Right. <laughs> They're probably going to mess up a lot and you're going to mess up in parenting them. 
Um, and if you are not, if you are too hard on yourself, um, like thinking that you can't make mistakes and your self-esteem is based on always getting it right, then when you mess up, you're not going to be able to learn and grow from those things. You're also not going to model that for your children because they're not going to see any grace for making mistakes. And I mean, we're all making mistakes, but kids, they need the freedom and the space to be able to grow and learn from their mistakes. And it's crippling to them to, to act like, you got to get it right the first time or the tenth time, because we and and it limits what you can achieve if you can only achieve only do the things that you're going to be successful at without making yeah. mistakes. And I would say that is even in your morality, like you're gonna, you know, you set a standard up here and say, you know, you can never mess up in your morality. Um, you don't give a give space for growth because we all mess up. You know, you all make mistakes that you regret and and do things that hurt people and do things that you don't think are right. What do you do with that? If yeah. you if your self-esteem is based on always getting it right, there's no, no space for dealing with the, the times you mess up. Whereas if you're like, I am already valuable and this mistake was me not living in my value or me not me hurting somebody else and their value and when you see things that way it makes it much easier to grow and get past those um mistakes yeah absolutely so if we're gonna kind of this is such a broad topic but for today's purposes if we're going to kind of distill some hold my iced coffee sips right for (laughs) parents and practicing self-compassion um, because you've raised three amazing boys, you have two daughter-in-laws who are amazing. You have two grandchildren. Um, you have run the gamut of working through this and you're still working through this. It's a journey. But when I look at you, I say, I want to do things like that. Not that we've, anyone has been perfect, but it gives me something to hope for because you have successfully <laughs> parented. And so how, how this relates to parenting, you were talking about, let's say our first sip is our children should not be a reflection of our self-esteem to boost our self-esteem. Um, can you unpack that a little bit more if that's kind of our first whole my iced coffee sip? Yeah. Um, we, I talked about that a little bit already, but, um, But I think that attitude of not having to make them fit into a mold or be something to fulfill us, but looking at them as, as this, um, gift or that we are learning about and we want to help them be all that is within them, um, and where their, their talents and their abilities and all of those things like that, we are looking at them as, um, we want to encourage um, them to be the best person that they can be. And, and it's hard to overcome. Like when I know, I mean, I've been there, I had three sons that were all over the place and I've been there when people are criticizing them and not take it as a personal reflection of me. And, 
and I, it's kind of hard to walk that um, line between thinking that my kids can do no wrong and thinking and, and also not accepting the criticisms from people, but like just looking at what's really happening here. And I, my oldest son is super, super stubborn and had lots of conflicts with teachers um, because he's also very smart and um, he would get things really quickly at school and then just be bored and not a good combination. (laughs) So I have to have a lot of talks um, for him. And, and it was never, I never went in like, you know, he's always right. But I also didn't go in with like, the teacher is always right. It was like, I know my son is trying to be a good kid. And so how can I help him grow to be better in this? And and I talked to him about things like being re- more respectful and, and talking to him about, I know the kind of person he wants to be. So how do we navigate these issues um, and help him grow in being that kind of person? Um, yeah. And, and it was, and my, my middle son is more quiet and it was kind of funny because he didn't make waves at school. And with him, it was almost like, Hey, you know, go ahead, like stand up for yourself a little more sometimes and stuff, because I felt like sometimes (laughs) teachers just overlooked him. And so that was a different issue. And then my third son talks a lot. <laughs> and I had to go in for a lot of meetings with him where I was like, he's just always talking. And I was like, um, on one hand, he's just, you're never going to get him to sit without uh, surrounded by his friends and not talk to him. So we, we talked to him a lot about being respectful, doing his work, not disturbing people. But then I would talk to his teachers about, well, if nothing's happening, can we just say, you know, don't, don't be loud, don't, but, you know, I think he ought to be allowed to talk when he's with his friends all day and he loves talking and is he really bothering anything, you know, and it was from that, it was like trying to help him be the best he could be at school and navigate this with believing in him, but also realizing, you know, there's people around you that you have to relate to. So um, I don't think I would have been able to do that if. And I was a teacher at the time, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to do those things and empower my kids to believe in themselves if I was too hung up on what the other teachers thought about me and that, yeah. them, you know, always getting the like, like being the star student, being a reflection of who I was. And that was my peers, you know, that are like saying, who talks too much and all this. So um, I definitely think that we can learn those things of valuing um, our kids and teaching them to know their worth, but also ourselves and um, their behavior is not a reflection of me or how I parent. It's a reflection of how they're navigating their world. Yeah. Which gives a lot of freedom to approaches if we're not so scared that this has reflected negatively on me somehow as a parent. You know, I, I remember an Alanis Morissette quote from her re-release Jagged Little Pill that is from a, it's written from a parent's perspective. And the line goes, sometimes is never quite enough. If you're flawless, then you'll win my love. And it's such a, a devastating song, but we can slip into that so easily. Um, and I think that that tip that you gave or that, that whole Maya's coffee sip really 
it, it allows for a lot of freedom for kids and for, for adults and for parents. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's just, I think that's one of the biggest joys of watching kids grow up is just seeing, yeah. like seeing the world through their eyes and how it's different for all yeah. of them. Like they're, they're just so different. Um, yeah. And, and I think that leads us into the next hold my coffee sip is, is each child is an individual, even if they're in a family of three boys, right there, each one is an individual and we're free to help them be who they want to be um, because we can be their empowering cheerleader and believe the good in them. This is a pretty transformative um, thought that I don't think we uh, subconsciously um, go to, but to, to see the good in them and believe in the good in them when we believe in their character we can help guide them to see more of that, you know, almost like catch them doing something right. Um, like my dad would, he, he always catches me or my daughters doing something right and would say, you know what, I like the way that you encourage your friend, or I like the way that you listen there. Um, when you're talking about, um, just in- empowering and being their cheerleader, what do you mean by that? You know, encouraging the good, believing in the good for them. What do you mean by that? Um, I think it's the older they get, um, it's, it's bringing them in on the discussion about how do we help you, um, be, be what you want to be. Um, and, and, um, I think about it a lot and I don't want to, I, it's hard for me to tell stories too much about my kids because I don't want to (laughs) share their stories. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of the most powerful parts were when they were navigating dating relationships Wow. and I cannot share those stories. That's, that's their personal (laughs) stuff. But I do know like just a lot of issues came up, you know, and I, I was, you know, working in schools all the time and I would see, parents be so strict with their kids and um and the kids just lied to them and like I would go to church and all these people are like my kid's not going to date till they graduate high school and I'm like yeah that's not happening because your daughter's been dating for four (laughs) years you know and um and and I never made like those kinds of strict rules with my kids because I knew um they're at school all day and you know, they go to, they go all kinds of places without me where I can't be monitoring them. And the more I try to just lay down the law with them, the more they're just mm-hmm. going to, it just pushes them to lie to me. So I, I really believe that the best thing was to say, I know the kind of person that you want to be. How can yeah. I back you up in that? And obviously I stayed in their life and I spied on them and I, I knew like, and I was, you know, um, but it was, but they always knew it was because I was holding them accountable to being the kind of person that they wanted to be. And I mean, if they're not buying into it, there's no way to, um, to force your child to be a good person. Um, mm. But I think we all want to be a good person. And if somebody, if you're the parent in your life is saying, this is how you be a good person and I want to help you with that. And I want to help you with that in all the things that I see in you. 
Um, and it, there's just so many like things in that, like, um, tattoos. When mm-hmm. I was coming, when I was a teenager, tattoos were for really rebellious people. It's not that way with my kids. You know, everybody has tattoos. So I didn't, I didn't judge it from the way it would have been seen by my parents. I talked to my kids, why do you want a tattoo? Um, and they just saw so many things that were just completely different from my world. I didn't have cell phone when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, we didn't worry about school shootings when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. 9-11 hadn't happened. Um, just so many things. Their world was so different. And I feel like being a cheerleader is like, just standing there saying, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. And I know you can do this. And I know you're going to be great. Not like perfect and like that, um, giving them a trophy because they came in 14th place. It mm. is, it's more than that. It's more than your achievement of like winning a race or something. It is your ability to navigate life as a good person that you believe your child can do that and you are on the sidelines for whatever it is that they want to do knowing that they're going to um that you believe in them and that it's important and and that's just been kind of it is probably the one thing that I would say I did best at raising my kids and seeing them differently and empowering them in that and I I think it came from there's this common belief when you raise boys that um, once they become teenagers, they don't want anything to do with their mom. Mm. And I, I don't know. I was just like, I love my kids so much. I was like, I don't want to lose them when they're 13, you know? And, right. and I prayed about it a lot. And I know there is this thing where they kind of need to break free from their mom. But I was like, how do I raise strong, confident boys that grow into strong, confident men that still want to have, they still want me in their life. And I realized nobody wants to walk away from their cheerleader, like me and you, <laughs> you know, like you are <laughs> I'm always going to be calling you because you're like, Cindy, you're so awesome. And you know, the things that I want to do when I'm discouraged, I know you can, you're going to encourage me and nobody walks away from that. Everybody wants that person in their life, and I wanted to be that for my kids. And it was funny. Um, this is my last little story about that. But I was at a mom's group one time, mm-hmm. and Nathan was 23 at the time. And he comes, you know, he comes in the door, and he was bringing my granddaughter to me. And um, he said, um, Hey, have you got a second? I want to talk to you. And I said, sure. You know, and we, we went over in the corner and we talked for a while and everybody just stopped and they were looking at us. Mm-hmm. And, um, I came back and they're like, Oh, what, you know, what was that? Is everything okay? And it's like, yeah, Lecrae just dropped a new album and Nathan wanted to tell me about it. And they were like, what? <laughs> and they were just, everybody was like amazed that, um, that he wanted to tell his mom that Lecrae had a new album out. And it's like, yeah, well, we've been talking about Lecrae for years. So, you know, because it, <laughs> because it was interesting to Nathan, he loves Lecrae. So I was always in on um, whatever was happening with Lecrae. I wanted to know about it because it mattered to my son. And that's the kind of thing I think being a cheerleader is because it mattered to, to him. It mattered to me. Wow. Yeah. So, um, anyway. 
So your boys can still talk to you and your daughters too. Oh yeah, that absolutely gives us hope. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yes, we want our our children when they're 23 to come to us when they're 33 and older than that, um, when they're 13. So that's huge. I think that piece of, um, you know, advice can really transform us. Again, thank you for sharing that with us. And then, and you talked about um, also the whole Maya's coffee sip. Um, it talks about, you're talking about resilience, that setbacks don't blow our kids' value away. Setbacks are a part of life. Um, can you unpack that for us a little bit more? Um, if, if your self-esteem is based on success in yeah. any area, you can't accept failure. And that's always a... Um, it always hurts us. It always hurts our ability to achieve things because we're going to fail. And then we live with shame because we failed at something that we define our success by. And if you parent and talk to yourself with compassion for mm -hmm. those moments when you mess up or when everything around you just is falling apart and you let yourself be sad or let yourself be disappointed, you can bounce back much quicker. Because yeah. your value, like your value, wasn't defined by that. You're you still know that you're a person worthy of compassion with great value, despite how people treat you, despite what happened, despite the times you messed up or whatever. Um, it it's just that ability to reset because you know, um, it's not all there is to your story. And I was, I was trying to think of, of stuff that I could share and there's, a, there's so many things, but it's like, my kids have dealt with some, some big heartaches that, um, I've been amazed to watch them go through and how resilient they've been. And even, I, I think, um, most people their age have had to be more resilient than we give them credit for because of, um, like even COVID, I think it's, it's probably the brunt of a lot of the issues are going to be faced by the younger generations because they're just mm -hmm. starting their careers and things like that and college and um, the uh, yeah. social yeah. aspect when they're they're building relationships and how it's just been struck yeah. in and um, we need to to help them have self-compassion and be resilient because they've got a lot on them um, right now. So I think it's very important. And um, I don't think I modeled it very well for myself. Um, I was way too hard on myself when I was parenting them. And I, I'm actually right now going back and talking about, you know, like, hey, we probably, you know, probably should have um, done this better. And I'm not saying you know, I was a terrible mom, but there's things I could have done better. And I want, I want us to grow from that. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> so I think that, um, I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How powerful is that to, for a parent to come to a child or a grown, a grown child and to say, you know, I've been thinking about 
you know, that, that family event or that crisis or that time that we all went through and was praying about it. And, you know, there could have been another way to approach it. I think that that models not only resilience, but, but that kind of humility that, that can stick with you, that, that increases intimacy and trust. And those conversations are not easy to have. Um, and I wonder, you know, a question to you is how do you think is, is your time with your granddaughter different because of the ways the, these, maybe these hold my coffee sips that you have, you have practiced and you have learned? Oh, it definitely is. And, um, I, I think I'm, a, well, just being a grandma, it's much more relaxing anyway. <laughs> so, um, cause it's like, um, I kind of think my granddaughter is perfect and my grandson too, but he's only one. So, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's getting more and more perfect, but, um, but it's just, yeah, I, it's, there's much more freedom to just explore life with them and enjoy things. So what I hear you saying is that you're, you're kind of moving into, um, life with your granddaughter with even more um gratitude and um more self-compassion and even you're going to be teaching her how to do that which i think is is amazing because it, it can impact the next generation it's going to impact her family so how we think about self-compassion does matter because they are watching us those precious ones whether they're 5 or 25, 35, they're watching how we um, practice self-compassion. And if we've been not so great at it, we can change that today. We can we can work on it today and sort of implement one of these um, whole Maya's coffee sips even today. Um, and I really appreciate you bringing those to light. And we don't have to beat ourselves up over those things. We can move in a new direction. And, and that's why we're here. We'll hold your iced coffee as you can, you know, practice a little more self-compassion today because little or big eyes are watching us. Yeah. I think about, um, this is my final thing I'll say. Um, I think about, I joke with my daughter-in-law all the time that my, my gift to people is lowering the bar for them. And sometimes people, people, (laughs) don't understand how comfortable I am with my own mistakes and stuff. But I, it's just like, I, I feel like we just like, let's just own it. People, we're all messing up. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. And I talk a lot. So my mistakes are out there kind of visibly too, <laughs> but, but I do, I think um, she will call me sometime and be all upset about something that happened and like, Oh honey, I, I did so much worse than that. <laughs> you know? Um, and it, it's just, it's just um, freeing to not feel like you have to live life perfectly, but you can get better and better. And, um, and that is absolutely what Jesus taught um, our value and that it's this growth process as we walk with him, we just keep getting to grow and be better. And it's beautiful and just worth pursuing. I just, I love it. So I, I will, I want to talk about it all day. So, um, yeah, if you want to, I want to keep this conversation going and call me to lower the bar for you anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely raised the bar for uh, 
couple Maya's coffee sips. So we're we're thank you for sharing that with us, Cindy. We're we're really excited to implement those, and we want to hear from you. We want to hear your feedback and what you have thought about what this has made you reflect on in your own lives and maybe your parenting or wherever you are in that journey. Um, We all have people that we are parenting, spiritually parenting, caring for, and we're not doing this life alone. So we would love to hear from you. And thank you for being on with us and spending this time with us. And we will definitely be holding your iced coffee. Join us again soon. Awesome. Thanks. Bye.